Hey everybody, this episode of Talkin' Pop is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episodes starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience or get more engagement, you're going to check out poddex.com. Make sure you use that special promo code TALKPOP, that's T-A-L-K-P-O-P, for 10% off your first order. Poddex are the hottest new tool for podcasters looking to have more meaningful conversations or Game Fighter podcast. Simply shuffle up the cards, ask a question, and let the content roll. Get yours today at poddex.com. Once again, that is poddex.com. And make sure to use the promo code TALKPOP, that's T-A-L-K-P-O-P, for 10% off your order. This episode is powered by Poddex. What up, fanboys and fangirls and nine binaries? Welcome to our edition of Talking Pop, the podcast, all things pop culture. I'm your host, the franchise. Of course, joining me is my co-host, Pico. Hello. Hey guys, happy week. We're almost through January. Um, still fucking cold outside. We're still in pandemic. Some of you probably went to Corona, like we did. Believe me. Um, to me, it wasn't that bad. I mean, I already felt it for like three days. How many days you fought a beagle? Uh, well, I felt it for. It didn't hit me. It didn't hit me until like three days later. But I felt it for yeah, three or four days. But um, yeah, it went. Hit us pretty good. Yeah, but just having it, just like at least we had it. Just now, Biden knows what to do next time. Yeah, and it did pay off having the vaccine too a little bit too because it gave us a good test of our body. Because it probably put our body to test like how it's going to take care of this. Because with the whole Omicron stuff, and then I've seen, like, now, you know, I've been following, like, AEW, and they posted a thing where, I guess, the, the cities are doing the shows at, that they're requiring people to have, like, negative tests or approved vaccination mm-hmm. to enter the arena now. Like, they have, to, they have to show at the arena now. Because I think, like, a lot of cities and states are doing that now, like Chicago did this month, how now, when they go to certain places, they have to show, like, proof of uh, vaccination. Yeah. So they could enter like gyms and stuff and like I see where Republic or eateries I think too. I think restaurants too I think now. Mm-hmm. But it's in Chicago. I haven't seen out here in the Burbs yet so I haven't seen in the up suburbs but so far I think they've in Chicago but um, yeah so like I said I know Omicron's becoming more prominent but now they are pushing the mask. Masks are helping the curve at least still. Um, playing where your place of where employment is. Yeah masks are dying helping and like for a fact too it's like masks come in different colors. <laughs> So I like that more companies are making masks, like, with different designs and stuff, so you don't have to wear, like, the, chin, the plain, you know, mask. But as long as you're protecting yourself, just give it a little style, you know? Um, and then, I think the big use that I wanted to talk today, because it's been, like, I've been going through, like, be honest with you guys, just trying to find something for today's episode was, like, to see what's, like, big and use heavy. I know um, yesterday was Martin Luther King Day, you know, biggest advocate when it comes to civil rights. Um, kind of like how the NBA was pushing the message of Dr. King. How they had like a one-hour pregame called the arena where they had these experts talk about like the culture and stuff, mm-hmm. and the impact what Martin King did for like you know African Americans and just pretty much all minorities when it comes to like having equal rights, you know that everyone should be treated as equal, regardless of skin, you know, and like how the NBA kind of pushed how put well, NBA was one of those sports that was pushing that message, and of course you know yesterday was also what could have been Betty White's 100th birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think AMC did was it did like a special um, 
fan events do like a special like I think they did like a special like a documentary or something like a celebration of Betty White and her career um, a lot of like actors that she worked with or people that she pretty much cost past for her life you know pay tribute to her so if you remember hopefully you guys remember yesterday say thank you for being a friend <laughs> um, I did see that one of her assistants posted a picture of her of Betty White I think it was from like December last year like December 20th I think that's what the assistant said of basically how Betty White looked before you know she passed away Mm-hmm. To me, from that picture, she looked healthy. You know, it, it just sucks that somebody, you know, we were able to cross paths with her, you know, through TV-wise, or our mom did during the Golden Girls era, you know, that it kind of impact. But, you know, it hit us hard a little bit, but not as bad as how Bob Saget hit us hard. Because mm-hmm. we grew up more on Bob Saget. Um, I know if you guys, to make sure to listen to our episode last week, we talked about Bob Saget. So... I want to touch base on that. Um, the big thing too, like going through Reddit just to find like news and stuff, see what's trending. The big thing was Microsoft, and of course Microsoft, you know, being the kings of software, and you know, being known in the media, um, decided to make headlines by making a sixty-eight billion dollar purchase of Activision Blizzard, mm-hmm. in which apparently that's going to happen, and it sucks, and it's weird because. Um, they're by a company that's going through right now the workplace harassment lawsuits. Right now, and also now that they're by King Entertainment, who are the makers of Candy Crush. So, you know, it's interesting to see how Microsoft's like, you know, buying these small companies like these small studios and putting them on their umbrella. But the big question is, are they gonna allow these IPs to be allowed on their consoles? Yeah. That's the big question. Are they gonna be Microsoft only? But knowing Microsoft's seen there's more money besides being just like... I'm thinking Microsoft's looking at more like... Okay, we have these on our belt. They're making it for us. Okay, we'll get top right first. But I think they're seeing it. Maybe you should, you know, start having it on our consoles as well. Because, you know, we're the kings when it comes to software. It always has been. You know, Windows is... Windows is one of the most used operating platforms when it comes to, like, business and all that stuff. So it's like, okay, let's do that. Let's buy Activision Blizzard. But, like, Activision Blizzard, you know... So far, the always biggest IPs they have right now was like, you know, Overwatch, you know, Diablo series, World of Warcraft, um, you know, having the StarCraft, having those under, you know, the, under Microsoft's umbrella. And then, of course, you know, Microsoft has Halo, Gears of War, you know, those IPs as well. But, you know, with that, you know, they're coming in with a lot of things because, you know, with Black Activision Blizzard having that workplace harassment issue. Sure, I'm, so it wasn't without uh, without its myriad of, of uh, losses that they're facing, which I don't know how that technically works in the court of law, whether they automatically take those on considering that they're the parent company, mm-hmm. but I also feel it's one of those situations where the people who are involved at that circumstantial point of the event, I think are the ones who are still held accountable and not necessarily the form of a company when they buy, when they get bought out technically. Mm-hmm. So I just think like, even with those lawsuits, will, will Microsoft necessarily take something on a chin for buying Activision during a time like that where they're facing such scrutiny in the executive level due to these lawsuits? Um, Probably not because, as we see with any video game news, like the video game culture and, and I want to say the fandom that does 
read what uh, Medium puts out for certain stories like such as this when it pertains to video game companies and, and the wrongdoings and how they treat their employees. Like, this isn't anything new, but when it comes to Activision being how they've been in the game for so long and they aren't uh, free from stuff that's like that happens in, in workplace. So with this going on, I don't think Microsoft is necessarily going to get anything on the chin for this. Um, will they do their best to probably offer resources to them to maybe like deal with this a little better? I'm sure, especially on the PR side, but mm -hmm. I guess we can say goodbye to Activision as being necessarily its own property, but we're going to see a change maybe just like we'll probably see with Blizzard with Microsoft taking them over to as well and, and, and uh, Bethesda and all that. Like what we're going to see is them, you know, definitely having a, a say and an influence on how these properties get rolled out later mm -hmm. and how it could conflict with other proper games that are already found in the Microsoft library um, and both ends, right? PC yeah. and, and console gaming. Like we've seen the rise of PC gaming. Um, it's always been steady, but it's definitely been a rise with the technology getting better um, with, with live streaming becoming more and more of uh, an entertainment a media medium in its own right so it's like yeah because you have to think about like two years ago when the pandemic when everyone was locked down most of the people were doing either playing on pc or playing on console right it seemed like during the lockdown you the can most, only watch so much things there's so much you can watch on tv what was the next thing you do because sony reported like during the pandemic you know they has there was a spike up of sales of ps4 consoles even that that spike still increased to the fact that you do the limit supply of next gen consoles mm -hmm. because of the whole like you know part shortage you know, a lot of countries still following, you know, COVID protocol and stuff. And like you said, the rise of people streaming. Yeah, just the way people, the, the, the amount of things we can take as far as entertainment goes, you, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't necessarily need to have a streaming service these days. You can literally just entertain yourself with YouTube and Twitch. If you truly wanted to, and those were the things that entertain you. By all means, you can have YouTube TV mm -hmm. and Twitch are your main forms of entertainment as far as what you consume media-wise. And yeah. then everything else is just up to your own discretion and how you live your life. But it's like, if we see those two things and Microsoft having a big chunk of that as far as what games are going to be put on their library, um, what they're going to dedicate to as far as promotions for that library and what they're going to throw their money at at the end of the day. So like... We're going to see a big shift in them taking what I was saying earlier, take or not on the pod, but what I was saying off air, is that it seems to me that the name of the game these days now is if you can't, which we've seen in the past, but like big these big companies buying out their competition, they try to do the long game where let's take, let's play the long game, let's wait it out and see if this thing becomes a thorn in our sides down the road. And if it becomes a problem, competitive, we'll just buy them out. We saw Disney do this time and time again when they were spending the time to buy up their pro their competition in different Yeah, we saw fields, when they bought Fox. And right? They did it slowly but surely. They definitely did it. And so now we see Microsoft in their respective industry... It's not PC wise because that's just it's gonna be. A I think to do that, but video I think gaming, video gaming, but like to me, like this too was like 
Okay, they buy Activision Blizzard, another gaming studio, but they also buy King Entertainment, who are the creators of Candy Crush. It's trying to tell the Microsoft not only wants to get into the mobile gaming market because people play games on their phones. We don't realize when people are on the go, mobile gaming is still a prevalent medium. I mean, Nintendo did that now. I mean, Nintendo used to be a closed-off IP. They didn't want to expand to other things. They just want to be their own thing until they decided to outsource their IPs, these other companies that make mobile versions of their IPs. So I think Microsoft thinking, okay, let's expand beyond, like you say, expand beyond PC and console, let's get into mobile gaming, and getting, you know, that developer, King Entertainment, Candy Crush, it kind of gets into that mobile market. Yeah, and they need to, because, like, if they, they obviously, uh, they've learned their lesson from, as far as what they're forwarding to mobile with having their phones, like, they just, the Microsoft OS on the phones and, and you know, rolling out their own versions of phones to compete in the smartphone like market, but like that was kind of dry. It was hit or miss just because it's hard to compete with the iPhone in that. Mm-hmm. And Galaxy and Samsung has their own space in the market as well. But like all for all, Microsoft kind of needs to stick to what they do best, right? And so it's PC and the gaming industry at this point. So I feel like with this move, um, it's very similar to what Atari had back in the day, where th- you know, they, the video game industry just, the boom just happened because mm-hmm. they were, they were just making games and then there was a suddenly a market for it and people loved it. And they were the kings of that because they were the only ones making it. Right? Mm-hmm. So essentially, that was just, they were a king of their own block because they were the only ones people doing it. And then once other developers come up, then obviously like they hit their bubble and burst it. Now, video games are here to stay. They're, obviously, there's still detractors and, and, in the mainstream media who think, you know, they still rely on the old fucking arguments of how video games can be addicting. And they can be, definitely. It's not without its 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 uh, pitfalls. But overall, it doesn't... We know the age-old thing. It doesn't cause violence and all that stuff. I don't want to get to that. But main point thing is Microsoft is kind of becoming... Or taking notes of what Atari did in the past of where it's like, well... We're going to develop games, but we might as well just buy another huge developer that holds a big share of the of the, of the video game space that's been doing it for years, and it's made that has made games for our own computer operating systems and as well as other video game systems. So it's like, what's a brand that's going to be here to stay and it continues to make overall good games? Activision. It was only simple, and they... They have their hands in so many different titles that it's like, they like you mentioned with Candy Crush. It's like, Candy Crush is a huge game. Talk shit about it, but it's been around and people still play it. And and they need to buy those king games. That's humongous money that they're spending. But like, that's a big share of the market in mobile gaming and video game, console gaming, and PC now. So it's it's it's. It, they want to be Disney. I just see them as being like Disney. Yeah, because to me, I think compared to like Sony and like you know PlayStation's their IPs. I think this what it was. I think the big thing was Microsoft having not that many IPs. Because honestly, if you look at the evolution of the Xbox, I mean, the only IP so far that Microsoft had that has lasted this long is Halo. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gears of War ended. I haven't seen anything new from that. That was the only lasting IP they had. So, to me, it was more like Microsoft's desperation to get more intellectual properties under their belt. Because now you have Bethesda, who are known for Skyrim, who are known for Fallout. Those IPs. Like I said, you bring in Activision Blizzard, 
or an Overland One, Overwatch, World of Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo. So you got those IPs in their belt, because now Microsoft has the IPs versus Sony where they have some of the IPs on their belt. Because they also do have studios too that work with them too as well. Studios that used to be under Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And now they're working with Sony. So you got, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn. You got, you know, yeah, God of War. That's still going. This one IPs is still going to this generation. Um, and there's some ones I see now. It's like all these other new IPs. You know, Final Fantasy are still going on, but it's like they always prefer Sony first. And it's just like it's, it's like I said, it's Microsoft's desperation to, to try to invest in their future just to stay as long as it can when it comes to the console market. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, just having these other developers under their belt, basically, like I said, buying out your competition and having everybody under the belt, under the same umbrella or expand. Yeah, because Nintendo, like I said, Nintendo is still there because number one, Nintendo being the oldest out of all of them. Basically, because Nintendo, think about it, Nintendo's been surviving since the late 80s, like the mid 80s to now. Remember back in the day when it was Sega and Nintendo? When you said those ads where they used to fight against each other? Mm-hmm. Genesis does when Nintendo don't. And then, of course, Atari tried to basically get back with the Atari Jaguar, and of course, that became a commercial failure. And then Neo Geo, they tried to, like another company from Japan tried to come in with a Neo Geo. They can find a way to port arcades into home consoles. Problem was, it was so fucking expensive that time. And it didn't last. And Nintendo found ways to survive through the change. They were able to revolve through these changes by offering different things that these other consoles didn't have. And look at Nintendo, they're still around with the Switch, becoming, combining the ability of playing at home, but also the ability to play. On the road. They decided to combine the two things they were good at. At home console game. But at the same time. Portability with the success of Nintendo DS. And. Taking that and combining it to one system. And also too. Now allowing like these indie developers. To start showcase their stuff on Nintendo console. By giving these indie developers a toolkit. And. And then, of course, Nintendo now, where they're expanding their gaming library. They're expanding their online thing. Yeah, they're adding a few dollars more. But you get an expansion pack access to Nintendo 64 games. Hmm. I know it's like like an online service is like twenty dollars for Nintendo, but you're paying ten dollars probably like ten dollars more. But hey, it's worth it just to you get access to Nintendo 64 games because, like I said, it's like this nostalgia is still uh, still a viable market. You want to play those old games. You want to introduce your kids to those old games. You want your kids to see what you, you had to deal with when you were growing up, and. With Microsoft having, like I said, I think it was just Microsoft not having as many IPs. That's why they had to go against. They had to go after. They had to go after, but so they had to go after Activision Blizzard now, just to have more IPs under the umbrella. But like I said, the only IP they had left was Halo, and you're going to do so much with Halo. So, it's interesting because, like I said, that was like the biggest thing I saw when I was on Reddit. And just going through to see what other like relevant news was, but that was the biggest trending thing was Mars Microsoft buying Activision because someone posted like a screenshot of I guess the website that showed all the properties on there, so all the companies on there on the umbrella. They showed a picture of Tracer from Overwatch and and they show her picture and they show the Candy Crush logo. Hmm. So it's like, oh great, now we know. <laughs> 
And think about Activision, <laughs> you know, staying as long as they can. Surviving as long as they can. Because remember, Activision was along since, like, the 70s. When there was, like, ColecoVision, Activision, you know, Atari. You know, two, uh, not Turbo Graphics, um, uh, Commodore 64. You know, all those companies back in the day. Mm-hmm. And Activision, I named that... Solidify with like not only solidify with the gaming assembly sound, of course, you know, one of the companies that got affected by the gaming crash of 1983 before the boom of Japanese gaming in 1985. You know, that that name still, you know, survived. I mean, Atari's still well known, yeah, Atari's still one known name, but Activision, just hearing Activision just, as long as they have, it's like wow, and they got bought by Blizzard, a merchant one company, and now. Now they're part of Microsoft's family. It, it's real shocking. Like $67 billion. Like, wow. <laughs> Microsoft really shelled out for that company. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, was it like a couple years ago we were talking about the whole Fox and Disney. When Disney bought the Fox Entertainment, you know, why did it? And it's the same thing. It's just about getting more IPs under your umbrella. Expanding the market. And same thing with Microsoft. They see an investment. They want to spend not only on PC gaming, but also expanding on mobile market. Also with King Entertainment. Same thing when they bought Minecraft. What about the developer of Minecraft? They spent a lot of money on that one too. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they made a lot more back and then some. Uh, but for them to get Activision, yeah, it's just another... I think it's a big blow to Sony and... and Who's to say they're not... Uh, I I mean, who's not to say that they're not freaking out over there as far as projecting for the future? On, uh, I, I, and I'm sure they'll focus on whatever they always have, but mm-hmm. are we going to see them acquire some big, de- like, A1 developers? Because I think, but... How I, are they going to compete? It's I think what difficult. it is, too, Microsoft gaining Activision Blizzard is because the Pacific, you know, basically because of the market out in the, out that, in the Pacific, you know, out in, you know, Japan and Asia market, because a lot of that market's more into PC and console gaming, and you see more, like, people playing Warcraft, you know, been playing WoW or playing, you know, Overwatch, it's because of the fact that there's more PC users out there. Microsoft doesn't have a big presence in Japan because more of it's Sony because Sony has established themselves as a big hitter in Japan because, number one, the one thing that Sony has advantage over Microsoft is because of all the anime studio properties. All these developers that work with anime studios bringing their favorite animes into consoles because that's why it drew me to PlayStation 4 when, you know, I used to be an Xbox guy. What drew me forward to the PlayStation 4 now I got a PlayStation 5, was the fact that I'm a big anime nerd. I am an otaku. And when they start making game versions of animes like to watch, where are those available on? They're available on the PlayStation 4. They're available on Sony consoles. There's anime games to be played. There's visual novel games to be played on the, on the PlayStation. Also now on Nintendo. So Microsoft does not have a big presence in Japan at all. You think I'm update you right now in Japan? There's more so there's more PS4 you PS5 users, PlayStation users, and PC users in Japan, in Korea, in China right now because of the fact that there's more PC gamers as well. 
I think having Microsoft going, yeah, now they're allowing Halo on PC, but now that's why I think too was to get that out of the market besides the domestic market here in the US, but get that out of the market international wise. Mm-hmm. You know, be able to expand upon game war, you know, users through the PC by having Activision Blizzard under the belt. Which is more people playing League of Legends, more people playing, you know, of course, Fortnite and all that stuff. That's still a thing. Still, um, but maybe playing World of Warcraft. That's still being played. Yep. Yeah, those, I mean. They just try to tackle that on tap market potential. Because I can tell you Microsoft's not doing. The Xbox didn't do that well in Japan. What kind of saved it, the, the, the Xbox was because it's here in the US. Yeah, yeah. I think that's part of saved it. The Xbox in Japan wasn't, they weren't doing that well. It's still not doing well. I bet you if you could look up Microsoft sales in Japan compared to Sony's, you can tell Sony's the winner. Yeah, but Sony always has been big, bigger in Japan. Same thing with Nintendo. It comes out there. Same thing with Nintendo. Yeah, but that does, that's because that's like a... That's more of a cultural thing, I think, too. Just because they make it. like They're going to always... I feel like it's just a... It's more instilled in the in the culture there, too. Just, it makes more sense. That there'll be a bigger draw towards Sony products and things like that as opposed to Microsoft when it'll start here. You know, I don't know. It's just also like there's just like the PC market too as well. Yeah, and the the amount of things you can do with a PC now that now that you have so much more access to different parts manufacturers and and how you ever want to customize a computer. There's companies that come out of the pandemic or just solely focus on building up these new rigs for you that like and set up game stations for you like there's there's things that are built to this need this market for people who set up like PC gaming so it's just like I think we're gonna have to see both Microsoft and Sony go really hard in investing in developing their consoles to be that much more competitive with PCs because I don't yeah, we got this new generation. I'm not saying they're not strong and adequate. They are. But they're adequate and strong for 2021. 2020, 2021 mm. standards. Things move very fast nowadays. And especially in the technological field. And I frankly, these are going to be good for another three, four years. But in five years' time, are we going to really be... Is the market going to be ready for our console? Considering um, we're going to have to come back from the pandemic. Um and the right, and I'm not saying people aren't going to shell their money out for these things. And of course, the the bigger thing too is like, of course, um, virtual reality. You know, Oculus. Yeah, like we're and... going to see that change more. The metaverse being the thing, people's time is only going to get divided even more than it is now. So, I, and I know there's people out there who are able to game eight to twelve hours a day. All power to you. I think um, today I did like honestly with me. You know, when I stream. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think I can't do eight hours. I think I did one time I did a stream for like eight hours. I was so burnt out, dude. I was like, damn, I can't do this shit no more. Right. I tried my, like, when I go on Twitch, I tried to like go at least two hours, you know? It's because I'll say to me, it's like two hours is still a good amount of time. But you see gamers going like six hours. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? You know, it's like, I understand you want to get views and stuff, but it's like, you better have something to say for like six hours, dude. Well, how how much is enough enough? You know, yeah. I know you got bills to pay and things to do, but like, that's why I do like two hours, dude. Because well, like, that's why with me when I when I go on Twitch, I get role playing games, 
I see people that I, I watch other Twitch streamers and they're good at what they do. They play, you know, Apex because they're good into competition games. They play League of Legends, they're good at it. For me, I like I stream role playing games. The fact is, I want to get immersed in the story. But at the same time, it's being over immersive, it'll be a little too much. Like, oh, I'll do like two hours. Like, I'm doing freaking Skyrim right now, and I decided, you know what? And I got the anniversary edition then for PS5, and it's like, oh, it's good. It's like an updated Skyrim. But I decided, you know, at first I was like, oh, I'm not going to do a mod. But after a while, it's like, I see people do mods, but I decide, you know what? I'm not going to break the game too much. I like for a fact that PlayStation allowed, but this will actually allow them to put mods, to give the ability to use mods. I only did one mod. The Ring of God mode. That's what I did. Just to find out, make, it basically makes my character powerful. <laughs> but I did it just like my character can carry more shit. <laughs> and don't worry about dying. I don't have to worry about getting PC companions or NPC companions with me. I don't have to worry about, you know, protecting them and stuff. But that's what I did. But I've seen a lot of days with Skyrim. like, Skyrim's still playing played and people playing mods with them. But, and it's like, yeah, it's like he <laughs> said, just hours of gaming. I don't know how those people do like eight hours of gaming. To me, it's, it's phenomenal. You know, hats off to them because I can't. I can't literally do eight hours of gaming anymore. When I was a kid, yeah, because I didn't have other responsibilities. Yeah, I can game for like eight hours if I get out, get home from school, do my homework. But you should all save those days for the weekends. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, when you work, it's like yeah, it's hard to make time for gaming because it's like oh, I gotta do shit. I got things to do. I got errands. I gotta plan something for the work ahead. You know. Yeah, and. Uh, Life is way different when you're 13, 14 as opposed to when you're uh, 25, 30, 35 up, right? So it's just with this, I don't know. I don't I don't know. Like I mentioned earlier before how people are able to consume only things that are via Twitch or YouTube and they don't need to necessarily use other subscriptions. So when it comes to video games, it's kind of like. It's when they buy their console, you kind of just focus on the one thing, right? Whatever PS5 gets, for, for example, cool. You get whatever PS5 gets, and down the road, if they make a PS6 and they're going to exclude games to be released on here, obviously Microsoft is going to have some more heavy weighted influence on these developers that are going to be making, if they get bought off by Microsoft, but not only that, Microsoft's going to knock on their door. And they're going to throw some greenbacks at them. They're going to wave it very heavy, that carrot. That very heavy carry of carrot of temptation. Because now Sony has to compete with that. Where, well, what are we going to do? If we don't offer them money to release with us too, or, or do some exclusive materials to offer with the product, the finished product, what are we going to do? So we might see Sony buy places, but if they act conservative with this, I think that's going to be a big blow that they may have not seen coming, but if they don't deal with it and they remain conservative, it's going to, we're going to see a big change in the landscape of video gaming as far as like what we're going to see developers work towards and Mm -hmm. what we're going to see become exclusively only released on Microsoft stuff. Um, I know PC is never going to be too limited. And so I would like to see remain the same, um, even though I'm not a PC gamer, but I like seeing that like people have gravitated towards that, the technology's gotten better, um, people have turned their passion for, you know, customizing these computers on their own and, and turning that into a full-fledged business. I, I love seeing that shit, um, and I think it's amazing that 
there's more developers still making fun games that people are creating content with that ends up bleeding onto the consoles. I mean, we got Among Us out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, Among Us is a free Xbox Game Pass game that comes with your subscription. So it's not free, but you know what I mean. Sold with your membership, but that was a PC game. An indie game at that. And, it, it, and it's become one of the biggest, like... Because you think about it, it's basically like it's basically like a updated version of Clue. Yeah, and it's, it's not, basically like Clue. It's think not about doing it. anything crazy. Because it's one of the big things that, to me, that blew up in the pandemic was because people were at well, home. Community gaming. That's what. That's what. We it's they were like um, Phasmophobia. Yeah, same. That became a big game, and the funny thing is that was done by one guy. <laughs> yeah, one guy did that that gaming, and so now he finally got help and help him with these patches, but. The beginning of 2020, that thing was... He, he did that whole game. That one developer did it by himself. And that became a big thing. And that's still a big thing with the, all the patches. Now that he's got other people, you know, helping him out now. He blew up as well. And that's a big community game. Yeah, and, and that's what I mean. Like, So you see... Um, you see a lot of... Um, you see a lot of... A like, lot I see of- a lot of, like... I don't know if you haven't seen, but I've been following VTubers. No. Not really. I mean, I've been seeing them, and that's what they do. Either they're stream music, or they'll they'll play like these games. And the one I follow is like I follow a bunch of them, and um, basically the Hollow Live English myths. They call themselves myths because they're like you got Amelia Watson, you got um, you got Kylie Moore, who's the she's the Green Reaper, and she does music, and her music, her songs are great on Spotify, and she does a lot of gaming as well, and she did like Jump King. <laughs> Um, you got Guagura who does gaming as well. But most of them do gaming and they do a lot of collabs with other like, you know, other like VTubers. But it's like, that's a big thing to this train right now. It's like VTubers playing video games, streaming video games and stuff because that's the big thing, you know, either doing music or streaming games or doing like watch along with movies and stuff. That's the big thing. And like you said, it's like all about people creating content and stuff with the gaming market and the PC market. Yeah, but seeing, like I said, yeah, it's going to be a win for Microsoft from a, you know, financial standpoint. Yeah, it's they're getting another company, company that's well-known, company with IPs. Yeah, it's something that's supposedly just going to help them stay more relevant and just uh, have them more, have more IPs under their belt. And like I said, expand on to markets that they never fully tapped into with the Candy Crush being into the mobile gaming market. Yeah, it's only gonna explode. We'll probably see more like adaptations from like your favorite titles get thrown onto mobile gaming if they haven't already. So like, as much as as much as you might not be a fan of Microsoft doing this, I think they were thinking big picture with this and, and what's gonna make them remain relevant in video game in the video game industry. And I think they definitely set themselves pretty up pretty nicely for the next decade as far as having enough IP to. To not only support the consoles, support their PC, their PC gaming, and, and just support uh, video gaming as a whole. Uh, so, I mean, if you saw them buy the right hand of Blizzard and all that stuff, it was only a, like a matter of time so they get Activision, right? So, it's just kind of crazy for them to now have it all um, as of now. But we'll see how things unfold again. And we... We're probably just going to count down the days until Microsoft becomes the ultimate video game giant. I don't know. And, uh, yeah, I want to shift gears. I do. We don't talk about sports enough. I just saw this thing from, like, I just read earlier from FIFA. 
Um, right now, with FIFA and the Mexican national team, of course, you know, the biggest, you know, thing they're going through. Not just the team, though. It's not. The, it's more of the fan base. Um, you know, in the past, they've been doing these sanctions against fans for shining, you know, a derogatory term towards homosexuals, toward the LGBTQ community, every time an opposing goalkeeper kicks the ball away. So, at first, you know, they did the whole three phases, which they are still carrying now, to the point where they were actually banning fans from the stadiums. So now what they're going to do is, now what they're going to do, instead of attacking the national team and having the national team keep paying fines, they're going to start punishing the fans. So what FIFA announced with collaboration with the Mexican national team, they announced today that you know, Mexico's having these home, because the next two home games were going to be played behind closed doors. Due to the fact they found fans still shouting, even though Mexico's been pushing the whole Grita Mexico, you know, scream Mexico every time a goalkeeper kicks. They were pushing that campaign. They're still pushing that campaign. Even through the league. And so far, I had not seen them call. It's basically the fans here are doing it still. The Mexican-American fans are still doing it here, even though they've been pushing matches. Please don't scream that term. Because times change. I understand you're doing it as, you know, making fun of the other goalie. But at the same time, it's like, you're still making fun of, you know, it's still, it's still a slur. You know? So what it did now... Now, they're going to allow, I think right now, for the next two home games that Mexico is hosting for the next qualifying rounds, they're going to limit to 2,000 fans only because they want to test experiment out. But what they're going to do is, if they catch some specific fans, they're going to have people going up and down the stadium just checking. If they catch any fans screaming that word, they get banned for five games. Meaning they won't be able to get a purchase. They will not be able to attend any of the Mexico national team games for five games. Getting a five-game ban. Meaning you won't be able to enter the stadium. You will buy a ticket. They'll get you all your name and information. They'll take your picture and everything. This is what I read. I'll pull it up right now, but this is what's going on. This I'll pull it up right now. That's something I saw. I'm like, eh, it's about time. Which, honestly, to me, it's like, I don't know who started it. But, of course, Mexico is probably sick and tired of paying fans and paying fines. Just for the actions of their fans, not the players. And at the same time, it's putting fans on notice, like playing. Because you're, the whole thing of going to see sports is like, they're cheering your, your, your favorite team. But at the same time, yeah, you don't like the opposing team, but you don't have to be so disrespectful. It's a, it's a game, it's a competition. You know, each country has their fans too, and you gotta respect that. So let me go ahead and pull it up because I saw this on ESPN. So let me um, pull it up here. Here we go. I found it right here. Here it is. Um, this is from ESPN. It's a no. Actually, it's a five-year ban, not five games. Five years. You're banned from attending the games for five years. It says here. Soccer fans Mexico will be given a five-year ban from stadiums if they are found to have made an anti-gay chant. Mexican Football Federation President Yon De Luisa said on Monday, "The football, the football, the Federal Mexican Football Association has struggled to refer to an anti-gay chant as often shouted by Mexico supporters." This I'm reading from an article written by Cesar Hernandez for ESPN. I'm going to read this verbatim. The FF, the FMF. A struggle to curtail any anti-gay chant that is often shouted by Mexico supporters when an opposing goalkeeper takes a goal kick that FIFA hat 
goal kick. FIFA has in recent years handed FMF fines and stadiums banned that have forced matches behind closed doors due to fan behavior. Now going forward, those who chant will be given a five-year ban. The decision is part of a new process at Delusa Vale Monday. Through online ticket registration, a push for more positive fan experiences, heightened stadium security, and the five-year ban, the FMF once again seeks to stamp out discriminatory behavior. Says here, these measures are based on four pillars and will be applied rigorously in all home games organized by the Mexican Football Federation. Delusa said, the new measures will be tested in Mexico's next two World Cup qualifiers at home against Costa Rica on January 30th. And Pamela, sorry, second. It should be played behind closed doors due to the previousness of the anti-gay chant. Delusa announced on Monday that the Court of Arbitration for Sport will allow FMF to reopen the style sticker. Cap- capacity will be only limited to 2,000 fans for the coming matches in order to test out the new measures. The FMF followed a three-step protocol that previously been used to pause and halt matches when anti-gay chant can be heard. In recent months, La Liga's MX's Grita Mexico campaigns also pushed to eradicate the chant in domestic club matches. Mm. So what do you think of that? It said the players and the teams getting punished. You think it's about time for fans to start conducting themselves now? What do you think of that? They, I mean, yeah, I'm not surprised that they're uh, kind of putting a kibosh to that. Um, but yeah, fans, I mean, fans should have been fucking getting this shit a long time ago. And then someone who has attended numerous sports events, who has played in sports events. Fucking fans are annoying as shit. As much as we like them being there... There's some that are just annoying as fuck and do make the game just not a good experience for not only the players. Especially if you're bringing kids, too. Yeah, it's just very awkward. It's like you're bringing kids and you're going to shout out that word. It's like you're teaching your kids, like, hey, you know, be rude against someone from another country. It's not shout Okay, you're shout against both teams, but that team's coming from another country. It's like, yeah, you're a fan, but you're also representing your your fan base for your team's your team's country. You're embarrassing your team, basically. Because, yeah, your team's playing, but they're representing you. At the same time, you're representing the players, too, because it's like you're cheering for them. But at the same time, you're like, you're being rude to the opposing team. Yeah, you can boo against them. Yeah, but it's like, the shot that word to a goalie who's, you know, to shoot, just to kick the ball out? Come on. Especially a term that, to me, it's like, it offends me, you know? Because I recently came out, and it's like, you know, having having seen people deal with that behavior, come on. It's like we have to grow up. But I like for the fact that doing this measures just. Uh, I think I'm like I'm applying the Mexico Federation, the Football Federation, I'm Hickle. They're I'm applying them for the fact that they're trying to take measures to the point that you know they're sick and tired. I'm making excuses of going like being put under the bus by fans. You know. Pay, them paying for the mistakes the fans are doing, and it's like when we saw we saw when we saw the world the gold cup last year, how they had to pause some games when Mexico was playing. They had to stop for like a few minutes because someone was chanting when they had the three stages, where they had to stop play. You think how annoying those players were that they had to deal with their fans, and now and of course I'm you know now they're doing this, so now having this now where you think a fan's going to be like the idea of being banned for five years not to see their favorite team play for five years be able to attend those games live and they have and these fans got to understand you're going to bring your kids you got to conduct yourself in a proper behavior in front of your kids because you don't want your kids to learn from you like that that be like a jerk and being an idiot I've seen like you know these short videos of fans acting crazy in the stadiums like it's fucking nuts 
the go there, go support your team, and have fun, make it a fun experience for yourself and for your kids. But don't go out there being a dick and being rude, you know. So I, to me, I kind of applaud this thing they're gonna do, and they're gonna test it out. I can't wait to see how they do it. They're only allowing two thousand fans. They're lucky they're allowing two thousand spectators. Before those games are gonna be just closed behind closed doors. But they, I think they're doing that. Like I said, just to te- like I read in the article, just to test out, see how this works. You see, that helps curve the behavior. Mm-hmm. Now we can move forward. Like you said, you've been to stadiums like that too. It's like I, it's been a long time since I've been to a, a gaming like to see a game live. It's been a while, but you've been right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's there's. People who just don't know how to act in public, and you know, there's people with their families, and like, and then there's people who just want to enjoy the game, and, and like, and, and, and generally, most of the time, people are minding their own business, having a good time, enjoying themselves with their company, and, and doing a good time. And then there's always like the, there's always the the few bunch of people who like fucking, yeah, like I mentioned, just don't know how to act. And these are the the same cast of characters you could think of, and I'm sure you run into everywhere else in, in public spaces. Like you could see them in the grocery store sometimes act up. You could see them, um, not even just at a game. Like I've seen them in high school games, high school basketball games even that I've been to that I played in that like are just ridiculous. Some people act like I swear to God, like they've never went outside of their house. So it's just kind of like it, it's. I'm not. It's not any different in, in professional soccer games. So with this happening, I'm. Um, I'm glad it's changing and, and all power to them. Uh, but as far as like fans getting some sort of like uh, I got like consequences towards this stuff. Yeah, I mean as they should because they're still attending an event that's in a private fucking place and they should act accordingly. Um, and I understand with alcohol that gets involved and served at these places, like people get a little too loose for their own good, and, and that's what ends up happening. So, like, as much as as much as we don't like to see alcohol, maybe some people don't like to see alcohol served at these things at the same time. Hey, that person is within their right to consume what they want, and if they go a little too rowdy, that's what security's paid for, and that's what we're there for. So, like, for the most part, yeah, it sucks that. Some experiences get get um, get ruined because of this word getting shouted out um, during soccer games. But uh, good on FIFA for putting a stop to it, and, and good on FIFA for kind of just holding fans accountable and, and showing that hey, you guys need to act up, act accordingly, right? Just be respectful and, and just be respectful towards players too. So this goes, this falls under the umbrella of, of acting accordingly and. and in public and acting accordingly when you're taking in a game live so just that's what it, if that's what it takes for an expensive lesson that to take in that's what it's going to take it suck it would suck to be banned at a, from your favorite event just because of you know what i mean like just because you you want to keep participating in something that's super old like that you know what I mean? mm-hmm. you know what i mean so it's just kind of like it it'd be a stupid reason to get banned from that senior team play. For five years, dude. Yeah, be done. Okay. Well, I wanted to bring those. Those are tight two things we wanted to talk about today. But remember how I said we were doing like weird news of the week? I just found one. And it happens to be a topic I I'd like. I kind of like. It is professional wrestling. And of course, if you guys know, I kind of like stopped being a WWE viewer. I've been watching more AEW, which to me, that's real professional wrestling. It's professional wrestling I remember growing up in the Attitude Era. 
WWE decided to comment on AEW, specifically one of their matches, which to me was a great match, especially involved four women who I think are great athletes, and they couldn't show basically that anything that men can do, women can do better. And they did. It was a street fight between four women. They did like a, a street fight to the point it got they got bloodied. They used thumbtacks, they broke tables, and used barbed wire. It was freaking awesome. It reminds me of like old back in the day of the Japanese death matches and like old Attitude Era. WWE decided to take a shot at AEW because of that particular match. I decided to pull up the article. I'm also going to pull up AEW's response, especially the women who took place in that match. What they said. This is what, it, this is what WWE said. It says here, here's what WWE writes. This is from an article. I'm going to read the article itself too. This is from an article from, let's see what website it's called, uh, WrestlingHeadlines.com. Um, the article says, WWE calls out AEW for gory self mutilation and tag team match on Rampage. Of course, AEW's doing their one hour show on Rampage, which is on Fridays on TNT. Especially now, AEW's on TBS now. Remember, we had that wrestling on TBS since Thunder. Remember Thunder, dude? WCW Thunder on the Superstation? So, this is what this says here. Um, this article says, Toronto Star recently put out an article taking a look at the ongoing competition between WWE and AEW. The story is showing how close these two promotions are in the key demographics between, I guess, season and Canada. WWE directly contributed to the story by taking a shot at the rival and criticizing re- re- recent match took place at AEW Rampage. This match took place on 31st of December. Magic question was a tag team street fight between Ty Conti, Anna Jay, The Bunny, and Penelope Ford from the December 31st edition of Rampage, which ended with their all four competitors getting busted open. WWE writes, If you look at the gory self-mutilation that bloody several women in the December 31st event on TNT, it quickly becomes clear that these are very different businesses, WWE stated. We had an edgier product in the anterior, and in the 2022 world, we don't believe that the type of dangerous and brutal displays are appealing to network partners, sponsors, venues, children, or the general public as a whole. So what do you think of that? <laughs> what do you call that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what to call that. Just dumb. Ridiculous. Hypocritical? Yeah, very hypocritical. Very hypocritical. Yeah. I get... I, I, yeah, I can't, I can't believe that. And look at WWE right now. And they're struggling to the fact they're still trying to kill families. This is the same as they're doing before the freaking Monday Night Wars. Yeah. And this is what's killing them right now. The only thing that they got going for them is toys and merchandise. Which is what they've been doing for years. But now it's like they're struggling to keep arenas filled. And you're, they're releasing talent. And this is what... Um, Tony Khan, they interviewed Tony Khan. He even said he didn't crush the WWE, but this is what he said. This is his thing. This is what Tony Khan said. The plan was to put on the best wrestling show on television. When we started, we had a great roster. A lot of great people, that, but there was more parity in the world of wrestling in terms of where people were signed. So they expect that we will be competitive with the company that was the number one in many of those metrics. Yeah, I did. It was gratified that we have been. And number one, you know what he says? He calls like... And Tony Khan, they call WWE saying, you know what? They're, you're just being temporarily in WWE. You're being only temporary. I mean, you know how long you're gonna last. This is what they, this is the women from AEW said about their match. After what WWE said, and it says here. 
they were just, they did this comment where basically they said, and that's funny because Ty Conte and basically all the women that were in that match, they all took pic- they all showed their pictures on Twitter after the match, and they're like, they're having fun because look at she like Ty showed a picture of her face like all blushing, ha ha ha, and they're like they had fun, they had a blast. Look at that. Um, and let me see, I got. Uh, let me see here. AEW, uh, here we go. AEW stars fire back. Okay, here we go. He's saying the market isn't. Oh it's funny because um, it's weird how they they said that. Let's see what... Even John Cena says something about this, too. Let me see if I can find it real quick. But that's their response. See, that's the, res- the women's response. They just put it on Twitter saying, hey, we did it. But WWE's saying, oh, the whole, you know, we, the type of violence, like... Yeah, but that was the type of violence you guys did in the late 90s just to stay relevant because you were on the verge of going down. As opposed to AEW... Yeah, but, dude, AEW pushes up because, number one, you're on freaking cable. You can't get away with certain things. You're not on network television. Okay, if you were doing this stuff on Fox, I understand. You're on Fox, but you're on flipping cable. Cable kind of gives you a little bit of leeway when it comes to terms of violence. Because they had a freaking match. Like, Chris Jericho had a match against Nick Gage for Global Championship Wrestling. Game Changing Wrestling. Where the point he was hitting Chris Jericho with broken neon, like... With glass tubes, dude. It was with those glass lights. On TNT. Cody Rhodes took Andrade Ilo through a burning table, dude. And to say that WD's commenting, oh, dude, they don't need these vines today. They need this kind of vines because they need an escape. You're on freaking cable. You're not on network television, network television. You know, they're slowly or surely kind of like... Kind of, you know, lean, being more lenient now when it comes to like violence and shit. But if you want your product to be relevant, you know, you have to push it up a notch, especially when it be competitive. And this is what John Cena said about the whole thing. He said, competition brings out the best in us. For all time, going out there as a performer, I wanted to be the best I could possibly do and set the tone for wanting to be the best show between Raw and SmackDown. Certainly has I was the I was on. I was fueled by a sense of internal competition. Not knowing what it's like now to be in the market with a lot of different options, there's a lot of places to watch sports entertainment. That will only for me feel even me more to be the best I can be. So, I don't know, dude. It's like, to me, though, he's saying, oh, we want to be, you know... We want to be like that because it's 2022. Blah, blah. Like, to me, that's like, dude, don't be hypocrites, man. Mm-hmm. Don't be a hypocrite. You're basically hypocrites. But I wouldn't hold past them to do something like this on backpedal, or not backpedal, and say that they wouldn't do something like this before. But it's surprising when they, they're dying, right? So they need a, they're doing desperate moves. This is what Vince Man said too about the whole thing too. It says there, there would be something we do in terms of the direction of content, more controversially, better storylines, etc. McMahon said in the best subscribers call in early 2020. But the same time, we're not going to go back to the quote attitude era. And we're not going to do blood and guts and things of that nature, such as being done on perhaps a new potential competitor. And AEW did event called blood and guts. <laughs> but you can tell the women who were participating in this tag team match, you can tell they had fun. Mm-hmm. Because they were able to push to the point. Look at that, thicken. They got crimson color, dude. That's like 
if you're a wrestler and you got color, like, dude, that's like a lot of respect from the boys in the back. It's like, you're willing to go out there, you're willing to go out and entertain, both to show that, hey, you had the potential to put on a match like that. So, that's my weird news of the week, guys. That's the weird thing. WD being hypocrite about themselves. Now they're saying, oh, the answer is not what it was. But then you're being hypocrites, guys. Mm-hmm. You guys had that product back in the day. You're just upset that someone else is doing it better than you. Grow up, WWE. And good luck. I can tell you right now. He's AEW, man. Their stock's rising. WWE, I'm sorry. You know I'm looking forward to see where Rumble because Uncle Sal is inviting me to go check it out. I'm seeing more as like a reporter type thing. I'm still a wrestling fan, but we'll see. I'm, that's sports entertainment. AEW is professional wrestling. So, I would say that's it for uh, Weird News of the Week. Anything you want to add, Biko, Biko before we sign off? Uh, no, not that I know of. Uh, no, just go Bulls. All right, guys. So, we'll see you guys again next week. Um, hopefully, we'll have more, like, more about news. But if you want to hear, like, you know, things like movie reviews or you want to do any movie commentaries, make sure to let us know on Twitter at PopTalking. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TalkingPop. Buy a merch store at spring.com. Search Talking Pop. And you can follow, like I said, follow the podcast on Twitter at P-O-P-T-A-L-K-I-N. Make sure to check out the podcast on Anchor, Google, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and other podcast outlets. Want to thank our sponsor, Poddax, for sponsoring this podcast. Make sure to check them out. Just go to poddax.com. Make sure to use that promo code and the ad before this episode to save yourself some money. They've been a very great sponsor. Thank you so much, guys. And I also want to thank, again, you guys for taking the time out of your busy week to listen to us ramble. So we see you guys again and again next week. As always, geek on and take care.